Hello, hello. Hello, everybody. Hey, welcome to Confidence in the Community. We're so excited today because we have the amazing Eric Bowen with us. <laughs> a chat and a coffee and 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 we're featuring, of course, Magical Pleasure Month, and we're going to be talking to Erica all about uh, her work with Hope Makers, and we're going to be talking all about feeling good, really. So get a coffee and join us, and uh, and we can hang out. And yes. I, I'm just oh, you have you've already reacted. You're so quick, Ryan. <laughs> I keep I'm right there. I'm right there. Although apparently I'm I've uh, I've reacted as my alter ego uh, this morning, which is great. Oh, so. Uh, <laughs> It's my, oh, my drag version of myself has just responded, which is always fun. <laughs> I've not seen that for a while. Amazing. I know. I was like, wait. <laughs> so if you if we haven't met before, I'm Heather, also known as Helen. So you'll see me going wrong with my alter ego in the community sometimes. <laughs> and then we have Ryan, also this known is. as Dis. Or in this case, this morning, Discharge, which is his yeah. alter ego. Oh, actually, former alter ego. So uh, no, stage name. That stage names and all those people. And then we have the amazing Erica Bowen. Hello, Erica. Why? And I don't have an alter ego. I well, feel like that will be today's focus. Okay. <laughs> so you, need, you need to come up with an alter ego. There okay, you, oh, I you love need it. to come up with an alter ego. Let's play that game. Yeah. <laughs> So, so because we did your we did your podcast and then I think afterwards we started asking that question of all of our podcast groups, but I don't think we were doing that or a podcast guess. I mean, oh. I don't think we were doing that yet. No, we didn't. No. Do that. Let's do that now. Let's play. <laughs> oh yeah. Erica's going, oh my god, this is Monday morning. What are you doing? Oh, uh, this is awesome. <laughs> okay. Hey so, Brian. Hey Brian. So okay, so Erica. Yeah. Um, before we get into your work and, and all the stuff, sure. let's get to know you a little bit and then and then I'll ask you the question. So tell us, tell us, tell our community all of, all the things that we need to know about Erica. Oh my god, what do you need to know about me? Um, I am a forensic and coaching psychologist by kind of training profession. Um, I up until last December was an, also an academic and professor. Um, I started to play the cello when I was 40. Um, I have a 12-year-old son. I've been married 25 years in October. Wow. Um, wow. I, what else do you need to know about me? I don't know. I, I like to think I'm fairly balanced between being creative and logical, although not always appropriately at the right time for either. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I don't know what else you need to know about me. When we when we first met, you were you were just leaving academia and yeah. technically yeah. in academia. Yes. So I, I like to think of you now as a recovering academic. That sounds that sounds just about true. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and in the same way, yeah, I think that's that's really quite interesting because that transition makes you very keenly aware of all of the small bags of challenge mm. you bring with you from one context into the other. So definitely right. recovering, definitely a work in progress. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's talk some more about that in a second, but first yes. let's get you an alter ego. Okay, yes. so you're about to go on stage to perform in cabaret. Oh mm -hmm. my God, yeah, okay. First of all, okay, so first yeah. of all, don't freak out, it's fine, it's okay, fine. It's fine. It's because Ryan, otherwise known as Dis, is a very capable host, so you'll be in, you'll be in capable oh, hands. Okay. Yes. So okay. So, what one prop would you want to have with you? Oh, a feather boa. Oh, perfect. Always. Oh. I love that. What color? 
white. Oh, oh. wow. That would be okay. nice. Okay, very nice, very nice. And so when Ryan, otherwise known as this, is uh -huh. about to introduce you, to bring you on stage, uh -huh. what name is he going to announce you as? This is where I draw a blank. Oh, <laughs> you wow. don't, you don't, you know. Yeah, it's always no. us, weirdly. I find that it's like, it's just next to the surface often. Mm. Yeah, you're, you're there, you're with your white feather boa. You're mm. about to step into your spotlight. And then as my spotlight goes out, dead on cue. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, I'm in darkness now. And then, and then you are going to be introduced as the amazing, the wonderful. Electra. <gasps> Ooh. And I don't know why. Do not ask anything other than that. That was just I the name that came to mind. don't need a reason. You don't right. need a reason why. It no. just is. Yeah. Oh, really? wow. Right. Perfect. So cool. That's yeah. so cool. Electra. Really oh, you do know. We know what's in us. We know our fierceness. <laughs> we know our it's we true. know our power, and it's there. Yeah. Right? That's why we yeah. started with the all caps challenge when we very first started Confidence Through Cabaret. Mm -hmm. It was like, what is your character avatar or persona that informs oh, wow, your okay. power? Yeah. Sure. Right. Yeah. And actually, if you're new to the community and you weren't part of the community for the All Cup Challenge, it is in the units section. section. Yeah, Still access all those videos and stuff. But yeah, it's like that. That's in you. That's in all of us. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. When we go on podcasts, people always say to us, you know, isn't that fake? You know, aren't you, you know, playing a character? It's like, no, because this isn't a script someone else wrote. You're not followed by, you know, you're not, you're not directed no. by someone else. You're not being no. edited by someone else. It's you. Absolutely. And that lives within you. Hmm. And actually, we have a lot of work on imposter syndrome coming out, um, which, <laughs> which, which is another persona in us, right? It's another voice in us that talks yeah. about, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, and, an unhelpful and, friend. Yeah, the yeah, the toxic best friend. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that. So we're doing this big focus. The the big. So often um, within our community, we like to put a focus on a particular theme each month. And this month, we're talking about the magic of pleasure and how that shows up um, in in all of our lives. Because pleasure is something that's so important to all of us, right? Mm. Um, so you are the founder of the Hope Makers, uh, a brilliant coaching practice. Um, really, just I, we really are huge fans of yours. Uh, you know, as a psychologist, coach, and imagineer. Um, you know, that was why we we were so thrilled to work with you on the masterclass you taught, the Color Me Hopeful masterclass. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it was a really wonderful masterclass. We really enjoyed it. Um, and I would love to know how um, how you perceive pleasure in your work and like, how does that take a focus for you? Oh, crikey, what a question. I know, um, right? Just I, I, it, it, no, but I think it's really important, isn't it? Because having transitioned from one profession into a mm. new career, part of the drive for that has been around pleasure, you know, and, and not in a kind of hedonistic sense sure but actually having a sense that what i'm doing is enjoyable to me right you know and yeah. i think it's so easy to kind of get trapped in circumstances where we're doing stuff because it's routine we're doing stuff that we take for granted because we just do it mm. and we don't pause to really sit down and go okay 
is this working for me? Is it serving me? Is it bringing me pleasure amongst all of the other things it could be? Right. And we just don't do it. We just yeah. don't. Um, and I think the difference it makes is that it then feeds into your sense of overall well-being. You know, if you're not experiencing pleasure, you won't feel a sense of wellness. So yeah. it's really important. And do you think like, because uh, I think there's loads of different reasons for as to as to why we don't follow our own pleasure. Yeah. But I really like what you just said, then, you know, how do you get clear on what it is that actually serves you oh. and what actually inspires that that sensation or that feeling within you? And I, you know, obviously say not just talking about the hedonistic aspect of it, but yeah. in general. I think it's about allowing yourself to think about it. And right. it's a really silly thing, but you know, we, we don't give ourselves permission to think about ourselves because mm -hmm. we frame all of that stuff as being selfish. Mm -hmm. We have other, other roles in life, which mean that our attention is always elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But to take an hour to sit down and go, actually, what do I actually like? Mm. You know, what do I know is true to me? Mm -hmm. um, can be transformative. Yeah. And scary because sometimes the answer is what I like isn't what I've got. Absolutely. So but it is, I think for me, it's it's that basic sense of just giving ourselves permission to do it. There's nothing, there's nothing to lose. Yeah. No. I love that you picked that you actually you fully went there and said that it can be scary because I think a lot of people don't want to admit to that right yeah. a lot of the time we don't want to admit to, to the fact that like often when we're trying to to take control of that sort of thing or, or just oh. to understand it you yeah. know it can be a real a process of fear oh it can and I think the moment that you kind of go there you have to enter it knowing that it's uncertain yeah you yeah. don't actually know at the outset what you're going to find yeah because you have never allowed yourself to look yeah you know so i think if you go into any of those processes with an, a set of expectations around the outcome then that process won't work for you and no. actually you engage with it so yeah. i think you know there will be something an experience a time in life where something just doesn't feel quite right yeah. and have an option to go okay let's sit with that and examine and explore and, and work out what that really is about yeah. or you can just get busy <laughs> you know yeah. okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do all the things for everyone else bring That's more on soon. well and and actually it's only recently that i've started asking that question because i've spent well i mean you and i did your podcast what is your podcast called uh the hope makers oh, i will put a link for that straight into the uh, chat now one second Thank you. No problem. You and I have talked before. We have. <laughs> and and so you know, you know very clearly that I am an A-type personality. <clears throat> um, but the, but but that's the question is yeah. why am I staying so busy? And the answer is because I don't want to tune into the feelings. Mm. And it's such a widespread strategy, you know, and we convince ourselves we're busy, we convince ourselves we don't have time to. We're only as busy as we allow ourselves to be. But when we know, and you do have a sense of knowing, even if you haven't examined it, you know that there's something real at the base of those feelings. Yeah. Then you have to really work out if you want to go there. And it's fine if you don't. You know, there's no kind of prescription here it's about going well if you're feeling that something's off there will be something true to you underneath that 
but it's up to you whether or not you really want to go there and explore it and encounter those feelings mm-hmm. or go actually you know what it's too much for me at the moment I'm going to get busy and I'll come back to it later yeah and that's that's actually literally my cabaret journey because yeah. I, I I woke up and I knew that I needed to do it and it was something positive until I went and then it was something really <laughs> scary yep uh and then and and then that's when I had that choice, that moment of this is scary, uncomfortable, and it makes me want to cry and throw up at the same time. Yeah, so, yeah. so, but it's not rational because I'm in no danger. It's not, it's not bungee jumping. Do you know? It's not, there's yeah. no, literally no danger here. So, so at that point, I set up this kind of law for myself about if it's scary and it's not dangerous, then fear is not the reason to not do something. Mm-hmm. But that is where I think you're fairly unique because most people will never get to that point. Mm. Right. You know, and I think a lot of people will still be guided by the fear because actually it seems overwhelming mm. and it's difficult to balance that kind of that logic and go, you know what? Yes, it's just, it's just a feeling. Feelings cannot sure. hurt us. Yeah. So our interpretation of them can, but yes. our actual feelings are just feelings. So to be able to separate those things out and go, okay, I'm feeling this about it, which is triggered by a thought and reinforces a thought. So you have a thought, it makes a feeling, which then comes back to that initial thought and makes the thought more kind of big and sticky, (laughs) as it were. And then you get hung up on the thought that you can't or you shouldn't or it's scary or you're in danger or... So-and-so is going to think this about me. I'm going to look like an idiot. I'm, you know, who am I kidding? Why should I be doing this? I'm too old. All of that other stuff. Yeah. But to be able to sit there and go, this is just a feeling and feelings aren't rational because they are triggered by our very, very age-old mammalian brain to keep us out of danger. There is no danger here. What is the worst thing that can truly happen? Yeah. yeah. And go, yeah. because of that, I'm just going to do it anyway. A lot of people never, never get that clarity on the distinction between emotions, thoughts, feelings and action. So I was well aware of that just because of my own background as a, as a, as a prince, it's a concept, you know, I was, but, but a lot of times we know these things and then we go, yeah, but I don't do that. And that's that common (laughs) sense and common practice thing. It's one thing to know and it's another thing to embody and know, right? Yeah. 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 And I yeah. think I think the thing is what you're saying about that I'm fairly unique in that I did that anyway with the mm-hmm. cabaret thing is that it, it's um, uh, my cabaret. We talked about this actually last Monday about cabarets, about self-expression and mm-hmm. um, my pain of staying where I was. Yes. Was greater. And that's what what drove it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my only regret is that I let it get to that point where I was way past boiling point on where I was in feeling yeah. small in feeling unseen and feeling like I'd yeah. never be seen. And it did feel hopeless. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's when it was like as uncomfortable and horrible as this feels to take up space and be seen, even if mm-hmm. it's just in a class or in a mirror. Yeah. 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 That, that it was, it was a terrible feeling, but it was still better than what I already had. And that's yeah. that's the difference. The, the only thing I would say in hindsight is that you don't have to let it get to that point. <laughs> if you do, it's a horrible place to be. Oh God, absolutely, absolutely. But I think again, you know, people don't realize that either. 
you know and i think part of the challenge is certainly around coaching is enabling people to understand the benefits of going through that process when they don't feel they have to because right. it's the weirdest thing you know you kind of sit there and go I'm, I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine there's no need I don't need support everything's going swimmingly and then right. all of a sudden crash and burn yeah and you think, yeah you thought you were fine but you didn't realize what you didn't know about yourself yeah, yeah. you know and how that was tripping you up but I um, think if I was honest I knew I wasn't fine sure <laughs> Uh, you know, I've definitely been in that place. You know, yeah. I think it's like I've definitely been in that place myself, where it's that, and I think I think that's quite common. You know, to find that thing of um, it's. I always think of it like the the lobster in the pot. You know, you yeah. don't know the water's getting warm until it's too late, kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think also, I mean, you know, I think there's a, a lot invested in people needing to appear fine. You know, oh, there's yeah. still so much stigma around not being fine. Yeah. Um, and and fully admitting where you really are with yeah. people and expecting them to meet you with compassion. I think we're societally a little way off that still, which is yeah. a shame. Um, you know, and you just look at, you know, recent events and you can still see that, you know, we still don't, we're not, we're not fully accepting of mm-hmm. not being okay. Yeah. <laughs> which is, or, is peculiar. Or, um, in my case, because I'm very externally referenced, mm-hmm. um, in my case, it was, I'm, it wasn't about not being okay. It was that I needed to be not seen to yes. be not okay. Like, yes. like being seen to be not okay was really different to being not okay. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. so for me, staying in, stay, staying really, really busy, distracted me from not being okay. Mm-hmm. But it also created this persona of always having to be okay. Of course. Mm. Yeah, and everyone <laughs> not asking you a question because you look fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I never had to talk about any of the stuff. Most people didn't even know that my my late husband was sick because I didn't have to talk about it because nobody knew because I was so busy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I think it's really interesting. The 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 piece about magic of pleasure. A lot of people will think, oh, this is going to be either about self-care, which we (laughs) talked about at length about (laughs) hot bath is not self-care if that's not what you needed. uh, and we and we did a lot of that discussion in in our sprinkling challenge a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, which you'll find in the guides if you're new here. Um, but we we also you know didn't want it to be just all about like I mean I want I want especially but not only women I want I want us to be able to feel sexy, yeah, you know, sure. and I want us to feel empowered in that. And that's yeah. and I was raised not to be sex like to downplay your sexuality, of course, yeah. Um, but I think, you know, the magic of pleasure, there is a lot of pleasure in just saying, I'm not fine. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Yeah. Yeah. It's I was actually loving what you were saying yeah. about permission with regards to that earlier. When you said <clears throat> about, you know, because it's something that we've asked a few times, you know, who are you asking permission for? You know, um, where do you think that comes from? That 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 aspect of permission when it comes to things like pleasure, and how do you how do you change that when you're so stuck into that space? Sure. I think a lot of it come it comes. I think as many things do, it can come from childhood experiences. It can come from how you're socialized within a family. It can come from how you're socialized within society. Mm-hmm. You know, and if there are expectations about your role in any direction. Yeah, it can make you feel as though actually you 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 are not being necessarily authentically you, yeah. because you're just conforming to a role. 
mm-hmm. you have a set of rules to live within for yeah. in which, you know for around whatever aspects of your identity mm-hmm. but the one thing we very rarely teach our children is to just be themselves and in fact most of the time we try and educate that out of them yeah, yeah. So, you know, you end up with the tantrumous kid who is just trying to express themselves, just trying to be heard. And over time, we make them quieter and smaller and quieter and smaller mm-hmm. and more conformist. And, you know, and anybody that's outside of that box then becomes labeled as problematic or, a, you know, a problem child or disruptive, mm-hmm. or all of that nonsense when actually they're just being themselves. Mm. And they probably have an awareness of themselves, which means that they don't really care as much about all of these confines and boxes we try and put them in. Yeah. Um, so I think the permission comes from trying to find ourselves amongst all of the rules and guidelines that we have adopted because that's what we've been led to believe we need to be growing up and behaving within. Yeah. So it's just a way of trying to find ourselves. Right. Oh, so I that's, love a, that. that's a question to sit with for a minute. What does it mean to just be yourself? Mm. Yeah, and it can be a really uncomfortable question to contemplate. Yeah. <laughs> it really can. And actually, yeah. that's, that is a really good point. It can be a really uncomfortable uh, question to ask. Is there anything um, specifically that you would suggest with, with regards to kind of like, how would you ask that of yourself, but also give yourself the space to, to kind of do that safely? Sure. I think I think there's a bit about being just trying to come from a point of curiosity. Right. To try and take the pressure off yourself, because it's not like you're writing an essay that you need to get an A for. You know, this isn't a kind of question where there's a correct answer. And I think, again, we can really put ourselves under huge pressure to kind of come up and think we've solved the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, and in this situation, what does it mean to just be yourself? Being myself is the problem. How am I going to solve that? How am I going to characterize that in a way that makes sense? Well, you don't have to, but mm. you just have to be curious about actually, what do I like doing? Yeah, yeah. You know, where do I like to be? Who do I like to be with? Because all of those answers are part of who you are. Yeah. So it's about being curious and it's about being compassionate with yourself and just going, you know, there is no right answer. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you, you, can, you can be who whoever you are, whoever you want to be, you can create identities and throw them off as you walk through life. Nothing is fixed. Mm. So I think, again, we get dragged into this sense of feeling that, you know, we grow up. When you've grown up, you're kind of fixed. You know, that's who you are. And from a kind of, from a, a psychiatric perspective, the human brain doesn't start evolve, doesn't stop growing until you're 25. Mm-hmm. So you then have years of experience and then the brain changes again, the older you get. Um, But to think that, you know, that you leave school at 18, that you're an adult, legally you are, (laughs) developmentally you're not. Yeah. And that somehow by the age of 18, you know who you are, what you're about, what you should be doing. We have an education system that buys into that in ridiculous ways. Um, you know, so you go to school, you do GCSEs, you do your A-levels because you know where you're going. No, you don't. You're doing them because the government says you have to jump through the hoops and do these qualifications. Exactly. Yeah. They can be helpful and they can help identify your strengths and interests. Are they telling you who you are? A little bit, but not everything. So I think it's about just being open to the fact that at the moment, this is who I am. And in a year's time, I'll be somebody different. Arguably, 
every moment of every day you're somebody different <laughs> you know we live consciously in the now so you know well, it's and just also what you do and what you ultimately go on let's say you go on to university or you get a job or whatever you have a career or whatever that's not who you are no that's no. not you but there is a huge danger so i mean i went to uni the first time when i was 18 <clears throat> and i dropped out after a term right. and chose a course that just wasn't me did however meet my husband so no not all bad um so and then took three years out and just did you know just temp just because I was like I just need money you know yeah. got married and then went back to uni yeah. and did my undergrad in psychology then everything else right but I think the other thing is depending on how you have grown up then sometimes you can over identify with your profession and I absolutely did that Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that I've noticed much more so now having thrown off those gowns as it were <laughs> it's just how much but how much of my own self-worth was was bundled up in all of that nonsense and you know and I knew at the time it was nonsense but when you've been in it for so long and it's everything that you know and it's created opportunities and everything else it's really difficult to just go actually that's that's no longer who I am or who I want to be yeah. um, yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, I mean, we do define ourselves by labels and what, and what I've come to realize because, you know, I, I, that's all I did was labels. And that what I've come to realize is that when, when you get rid of those labels, ultimately they're, they, those labels are going to end. Mm. Like yeah. they are going to end, you know, you'll yeah. retire or something else. Absolutely. You'll, your Your children will grow up. Yep. You're, you know, so you're not going to be a full-time mother forever. Hopefully. No. I mean, that's best case scenario is that, you know, Indeed. they're independent yes. forever. Um, you know, uh, your, your marriage will change and grow as yep. it evolves. Uh, yep. you know, you, those labels, they're not, they're not something to hold on to as like mm -hmm. some sort of a, a firm handrail that's going to stabilize you forever. <laughs> not. No, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And that's, that's what I found out is when the labels disappear, the ultimate question is, who am I? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. So, so, so how has, um, you mentioned, you know, in your intro about, you know, and I, I flippantly said recovering uh, academic, but, uh -huh. <laughs> um, but it's only because, only because I know you, like it's, no, it's, it, it's the perfect description. It really is. <laughs> but but how has that changed for you coming out of academia and and discovering who you are and starting all over effectively? Well, I think it was interesting because that process of understanding who I am started when I was still in academia mm -hmm. because it was that process of reflection that was triggered by a sense of things not feeling right, just kind of like something feels off, not quite sure what's going on, um, that led me to kind of, work out what it was that I really enjoyed doing right you know so what really was it across all of the stuff that I've done as an academic you know and having been you know a, a postdoc researcher up to a, a full research professor and a senior manager I've had a huge amount of experience but what were the high points you know what were the moments where I thought I'm really enjoying this um and so what I realized was that the stuff that I'd really enjoyed was about personal transformation be that supporting students be that creating interventions to reduce domestic violence, which was what my focus was at that point, um, be it working directly with colleagues to kind of help them on their own professional development journey through promotion, mm. whatever. That's the stuff that I loved. Mm. Um, yeah. 
And so that for me was kind of the essence of what I knew I needed to tap into more of in order mm. to be into be in order to be happier. You know, mm. so what has happened since then is just the fact that some of the stuff that I've been doing has triggered some of the feelings that I had when that I didn't like about being an academic, which I didn't expect. Um. So, so some of the stuff that I found really taxing was um, creating courses and and teaching in a university way. Yeah. And so when I'm working with a business coach, she's like, "Oh, we're going to we're going to create a course." I'm there going, "I can't do that. I just can't do that." And I was like, "What the hell is wrong with me?" You know, of course I can create a course. I spent twenty years, you know, as an academic. It's yeah. what we do. We create courses. Yeah. We teach. And it was just this really strange block that I was kind of like convinced myself that my coaching style couldn't work that way and then couldn't think what my uniqueness was within that and just completely was just like this is just ridiculous this means that I'm not even part of who I thought that I was which is a really strange moment to be in thinking this is so weird because I know I can do it because I have done it in the past but I've done it differently and so trying to take those skills and then transfer it once for whatever reason, I went through a bit of a process within 48 hours of digging myself in and then out of a very big hole. Um, and had to kind of just reframe what I was doing in a very, very different way. And then I was like, no, it's fine. Of course I can do it. Yeah. It's but a it, process of that, though, isn't it? To kind of do that and then come back. I feel like that's yeah. quite useful to the process. Yeah. But it was really, really surprising because I think there was part of me that just went, yeah, this is going to be fine. Yeah. And then just the use of language at various points just made me stop. And I'll be mm. like, that's odd. That's really odd. Um, and that's just because it triggers some of that stuff of, of the experiences that weren't always pleasant as yeah. an academic teaching large groups of students, you know? Sure. Um, so, I'm yeah. Thinking, really I'm thinking about, you know, we've, we've all asked or been asked the question of, like, if you could go back to your childhood knowing what you know now, mm. yeah. Yeah. You know, what, what would you do differently or would you go back? Mm. All those kind of questions, right? And there's been loads of movies and stuff based on that. <laughs> so I was just thinking about that actually as at, why would we have to go back? Yeah. Why, why wouldn't we just say, so knowing what I know now, mm -hmm. you know, you've created courses, you've got all this information and experience and why would we not, like you don't have to go back to your childhood. Mm -hmm and redo oh, yeah. stuff. like you're you're literally redoing stuff now yes right you're yeah. you're in that scenario without going, without going back yeah 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 and i think it's interesting because i think it depends on the transition that you make i think part of the block to making a transition can be, be that you lead yourself to believe you don't have the skills to be able to do anything of value outside of the profession that you're in um and i think I don't think I had that issue because I spent some time going, okay, what can I do? What do I like doing? What have I gained most satisfaction from? I think what I didn't allow myself grace for was almost that kind of period of, of actually transitioning. You know, I just went overnight. I was like, right, bang, I'm no longer an academic, duh, duh, without yeah. being compassionate to myself about the fact that actually this is quite a big change. <laughs> quite a big change. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And, and again, it then locks you into that sense of I should, you know, I should be able to do this. I should be more competent than this. I was a professor, for God's sake. What am I now doing? You know, 
which yeah. again is the least compassionate you can be to yourself. Yeah. Um, but it is it is interesting. But yeah, you can. You don't have to go back to your childhood. I think what you need to do is to notice, you know, and to take time to notice the high points. You know, what was it that you were good at? What did you get praised for? What what went really really well? What did it take for you to do that? Yeah. And then you can work out a plan of what life can be with more of that stuff in. Yes. Love that. I love that. And I, I think I think that's that's the thing is that we're not taught to think about transferable skills. We're not mm. taught, taught to think about what ifs. We're not taught no. to play with different things. Um, all of my children went to North America for their school um, mm. because that is part of the culture. Um, yeah. And and it was interesting because I'm Canadian. So I grew up in that culture. I went to school in that culture, you know, yep. did all the schooling in that culture. But then but then I, I bought into the whole kind of UK model. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the, the the North American teachers would say, why don't you just let your children be children? Why don't you just let them play? Because they need to learn that magic of play. Uh -huh. You know, and, yeah. I, and I was like, when did that change? What is my deal? Yeah. I've, I bought into <laughs> this whole thing of, you know, we're not supposed to, we're supposed to know and we're supposed to, yeah. we're supposed to, see. and then, and then how many, so this happens to me and I'm sure, I'm sure you'll come across it as well. Um, when I'm business co coaching people in business, I, I constantly come across people who will say, well, when I was 15, I was good at math. And I did say math without the S, I know. Yeah, uh, I, <laughs> I was, and then I, and then I went on to, to do math in my A-levels. And if you're in North America, uh, mm -hmm. you typically only do about three uh, A-levels, yeah. so only three subjects from when you're 16. Uh, and so if math was one of those, and then, and then if you do well in that, then you probably go on to university. And then I, I work with a lot of accountants, for example, who sort of say, I don't want to do this anymore. No, absolutely. But now I'm stuck with a mortgage and I have children yep. and all these other yep. responsibilities. I can't leave to go and start my small holdings garden or whatever mm -hmm. they wanted to do. They really want to do. Yeah. yeah. And it's really hard to be able to, to leave that kind of secure. I mean, you've just done that. You, leaving mm -hmm. that security, of, <laughs> you know, an, an income and a position and a title yep. and all, all these things. Yep. And you know what you're doing in that environment and let that go to start something new yeah. how how do you even begin to do something that terrifying um i think you have to to really get to grips with how you're feeling about life you know it's not it's not something that you you take go oh yeah today is fine and you know friday i'm gonna hand in my notice and then everything's gonna be fine i'll work it out as i go along yeah. um i think you have to really work out if what the risks are. And I remember someone saying to me, you know, what really is the worst case scenario? You know, if you quit your job, really, what is the worst case scenario? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, worst case scenario, if money is an issue, I'll just do whatever I need to do to earn money. Mm. Yeah. And I think what your worst case scenario is when you don't actually voice it is mm -hmm. we're going to be on the streets. Right. But what would it actually take for that to happen, you know, from your current position? Because that's kind of saying, well, if I sit and do nothing but work on my dream and it's unsuccessful and I'm not paying attention to how things are going and I don't have an active role in my life, then possibly that could happen. But then who are you in all of that?
you know the likelihood is if you're thinking of making the transition you're not the kind of person who's going to sit around and go oh fine whatever happens happens and if we end up on the street that'll be fine yeah because you're you're not working from that mindset yeah. you know yeah. you're motivated by the fact that there could be something better if what you really think is most likely to happen is that you're going to be on the streets then nobody would take that that educated calculated risk mm. so for me when i sat there I thought actually there are lots of ways of making money even it doesn't have to be about my coaching yes my coaching is my dream sure. but you know what i know that i don't want is what i was doing mm. so i need something different i have an idea of what i want that to be and how i'm going to create that yeah but if at any point it looks like that's not working, then I'll do whatever it takes to earn money so that we don't lose the house. It's kind of yeah. that simple. Yeah. So I think when you've got that level of clarity around what that might look like, yeah. then you can feel easier about making the transition. It, it feels less risky because you're not going by imagination. You're going by a bit of a process that's a, you know slightly informed by who you are as much as what could happen. So the thing is, and it's, I mean, I love that because it is literally just about, you know, having faith in yourself and your own capability and your own dreams and your own, you know, your own um, ability to stick to the to the plans that you're setting out with. And yeah. I think people have been told for so long that they're not capable, that they're not yeah. strong, that they can't do, you know, they can't do the things that bring them joy because that doesn't fit those narratives we Absolutely. were talking about earlier. Yeah. You know, and then when, uh, you know, one of our favorite quotes and certainly one of my favorite quotes, and uh, I've said this many a time on stage and off stage, is by Lydia Lunch, who said that the most, the first thing they do is take, the first thing they take from you is pleasure. And the most radical thing you can do is take that pleasure back. Yes. And I think that's so true of this situation. You know, it's, you know, we're told to buy into limited beliefs our entire yeah. life. Yes. What happens if we actually take control of those things and seize our pleasure back, right? Absolutely. And I think it's really interesting, isn't it? Because there's also nothing to say that when, you know, it's, it's never easy. And, and no. I think even with the best laid plans, there will mm. always be things that sidetrack you, things that don't work out the way you expect them to. Oh. Um, and then it becomes a way of trying to manage your emotions in, enough to keep on going. Yes. And that's another major um, transition because when you're employed, you don't have to think emotionally about money or anything else or security because it's just there. It's just a given. Yeah. Um, but equally, I think you probably take more for granted because of it. Yeah. So when you know that you're kind of actively involved in acquiring the money and the finances you yeah. value it more you value what you do with it more i think yeah. this is an interesting shift yeah but we do you know we're kind of raised into a very limiting way of thinking um yeah. you're defined by other people and that's half the problem if you've got people and we've got an education system that puts people in boxes and grade bands and everything else mm -hmm. and we measure success by which school you go to and which university you go to then success is always defined by somebody else and that will take away our happiness you know because you can chase somebody else's dream and that'll be fine they'll be happy for them but you won't be happy yeah yeah you know no. it just it will be it will be literally soul destroying you yeah. know um and i think there's so much about the way that we work that denies us ourselves yeah um and, and, and fundamentally, that then, you know, obviously leads us into burnout because most of the time what we're doing is working for somebody else and somebody else's motives for somebody else's targets or whatever. Um, and if they really don't sit with us and our values and 
our personal mission in life, then again, that's going to be really, really detrimental to our own well-being. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely love that. It's because it's so true as well. I mean, we've said this multiple times in the community, but it is it really is true. If you're always working towards somebody else's design and somebody else's version of what you should do, which is, as you say, exactly what the education system pretty much teaches, um, certainly how we're how we're how we're taught to believe. Um, you know, from from day one, as I love the fact that you brought up straight away the the idea that you know at sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, we're told, "What are you going to do with your entire life?" Yeah. I don't know. I'm eighteen. <laughs> I want to yeah. dance. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. My son is twelve, just about to start choosing his GCSE options, mm-hmm. and it's just like well, I forget that it's that young that you have to do that at twelve. That because they've changed them because they're now exam outcome based rather than exam and coursework based you now do them across three years right oh it's just is it just exam based now yeah, that's a whole other conversation yeah that's but a whole other conversation yeah it does mean yeah. that now at the end of year eight kids are having to decide what they want to narrow their options down to be yeah. for gcse's and Again, you just sit there and go, well, I mean, I know I probably went through something similar a a year later when I was at school. Mm. But just that sense now as a parent looking at my son doing that, I'm like, oh, my God, what are we doing? You know, and that's as somebody who's literally, you know, I've lived in higher education, for God's sake. I've been a product and employee of the education system. And you still just look at it and go, actually, the reality of this stuff just feels too much too young. Yeah. Yeah. you know yeah um this is your is your volume up on your phone no oh i'm getting an echo what's going on um Um, yeah so so if you're in north america it is different Mm. um you have more time to play and certainly through university there's a four-year baccalaureate you declare your major in year three you you take you take less um you you take more courses in other subjects. Yes. So if you're listening in and you're and you're from a different culture, I know um, some Absolutely. people in Australia as well. They'll be going, "What are you talking about?" Um, yeah. And I guess I guess what what you maybe need to realize is that if you take a degree in the UK, you take a subject. You do. So if yeah. you're an English major, you're not just an English major taking sixty percent of your your credits in English. You're taking English. Yeah, because if you do anything else, then you become a joint honours student. Mm-hmm. So you would and then you need get... permission, and it's a whole thing. Yeah, it yeah. is a whole thing. So cool. yeah, if you if you do a psychology degree in the UK, you're doing psychology for right. three years. Yeah. Whereas when I did my psychology degree, I did I did all kinds of social sciences. Sure. I did computer science. I did yeah. uh, you know some history. I did some, you yeah. know all kinds of stuff anthropology sociology everything you know mm-hmm. and that's the norm so yeah. uh, so i'm just saying that because hey deb i can see you're watching as well we're talking about magic of pleasure and actually we've kind of gone down this whole thing of like this is really important to question like who am i mm-hmm. and what do i want and what am i about you know and and what is the, my desire and what is my hope which i know is all yeah. of your work Indeed, <laughs> Erica. You know, yeah. and 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 I think you know it, it's so important that we that we re ask ourselves these things. Yeah. 
and multiple times throughout our life because they yeah. do change our tastes change our viewpoints yeah. change you know we're never always uh, you know this thing of like uh, this there's this belief i think that not only you know with the education system at, mm. at a certain point but there's an idea that at certain points in our life we always know exactly who we're going to be and we don't change at all and i'm like yeah come on you know i've changed hugely within a year you know yeah. so one <laughs> one year is not going to be the same as the one the previous so why should we be limited in that way and that's part of the reason you know that we got into cabaret and as part of that reason was you know i i didn't want it to be limited by the very specific idea of what i was supposed to do at the yeah. time i was there and i don't want to be limited to my expression now as an artist as I continue on in, in cabaret or outside of cabaret as an artist. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's that thing of like, what is it you want? How do you know, check in with yourself, get clear on those things and do it regularly because it always it benefits us, right? To, to, to regularly figure out exactly what it is that's bringing us that pleasure and that joy. But even just to acknowledge and again, give ourselves permission to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like it's it's. I think the most important thing is just the acknowledgement that yeah, we're not static. Yes, and, and that's okay. because yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, particularly with yeah, if it's if it's career tr you know, transitions, any transition in your life, you know, and it can be triggered by anything, you know, and particularly, I mean, COVID, for example, major <laughs> major trigger point. Yeah. Um, yeah. For so many people that are going to be sitting there going, my God, I can now have live in a different way. I've been forced to live in a different way. Okay, mm. so what does that mean for you? What has been the high points? What can you take away that gave you happiness and brought more joy into your life? And how the hell are you going to keep that there going forward? Because it is within your power to do that. Mm. You know, yes, we'll be going back to some kind of whatever we had. And I'm not even going to say normal because I hate that word with a passion. But, you know, just the existence we had before was what it was. Mm -hmm. We then had this global situation that we've all had mm -hmm. to engage with in a different way. We yeah. will all have gained something different from it, mm -hmm. even if that's a greater self-awareness of what we like. Right. Then how do we then honour that going forward? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think so many people have realized that in lockdown that there is that I think that's been the most consistent thing I've heard throughout this, in fact, is that you know the this has given us space to go, oh, this wasn't working for me. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. we had we were, you know, forced to, to be in a house, all of us together. Mm. And up until the pandemic, my husband was under the belief that he simply couldn't do his work from home. Right. Um, then it's amazing what happens when you have an external force that requires you to do something. Mm -hmm. It brings in a whole lot of creative thinking in a space where people leave, believe there was none, yeah. or none available, or at least none that you could um, offer without yeah. any kind of real reason. Mm. Um, but also what it gave us was the opportunity to be a family in a way that we have never, never done, you know? Um, and from commuting, you kind of like leave the house at seven o'clock in the morning, get back at six o'clock in the evening. My son was letting himself out and taking himself to the school bus, the last person to leave the house. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'd check in with him on my way to work just to make sure he had locked the front door. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, then we'd see each other in the evening and my husband would get back at seven o'clock. So we'd be happy 
away from each other for most of the waking hours of the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then in the pandemic, what did I realize? Actually, that I a I have an awesome family. My son is incredible. Um, that I love spending time with my husband and my son. That having lunch together has been the highlight of the day. Um, oh. And so, how do you do more of that going forward? You know, yeah. it's it's a simple question, not with necessarily a straightforward answer. Sure, but you have to think about it. Sure, yeah. and some people will have learned things they don't like. Absolutely. And that's what you do. Of course it is, because it's the same, it's the opposite side of the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's applying a filter. It enables you to apply a filter on your life so that ultimately you're living with more pleasure, that you are living with more things you do like than don't like. Um, so either way, that lesson can only benefit you. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. And the question about what did pleasure mean to you is so important. And it, and it, I flippantly always say it's not having a hot bath is because I don't like baths, but um, <laughs> so I always have to say that. Uh, it might be, but that's not, that's not, it's not sustainable. A hot bath, mm. get out, you're going to be cold again in minutes. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's real, but it's also a nice metaphor to talking about. So how do you sustain that pleasure? What are you looking for? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It is. And I think, again, you can only see what you give yourself permission to see. Yeah. So if you don't know what it is that gives you pleasure, then you'll miss it even when it's straight in front of you. Yeah. So I think it's about really knowing and then looking for it on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, because we can go, oh, yeah, you know, I, I like, I don't know, what do I like? I like playing my cello. Yeah, that's fine. Do I play it every single day? No, I don't. Not as much as I should do. Uh, don't tell my teacher that. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things. But actually, what else do I like? I like being surrounded by people. So how can I bring more of that in my life? And also, how can I not take for granted those moments when I am with them? Sure. You know, because, again, it's so easy once we come back out of lockdown, as we are now doing in the UK, to kind of skip over those things that we thought were really important to us that were kind of like held up to us as being our core values when we were in lockdown <clears throat> and then you know life will get busy again mm. so you know but it's a good attention. daily question it is a good daily question to pay attention to mm. oh, love this Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such a, pl a pleasure. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure. <laughs> it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Right. <laughs> so, but honestly, I mean, like, I think it's these conversations need to be happening. And I think we need to, like, especially as the world reopens again, because I think there's a genuine fear that, you know, people are going to be forced back into situations they don't want to be in, especially yeah. when it comes to, as you touched on, the office environment. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the fact that working from home has a very different resonance for people now. And it clearly yeah. can be facilitated without sacrificing productivity yeah. for, the, for the business kind of thing, if that's your focus. But, you know, I think this is it's really important that people do get to focus on what their pleasure is how they want to to achieve that and how if they want to pursue it to that degree or you know i yeah. think it's really important so thank you for for discussing this with us today because people de desperately i think are wanting those answers you know how yeah. do i even start to get clear on it um 
and you 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 have got such a, an incredible grounding and knowledge with this within this within this uh, whole field and uh, your work with the hope makers uh, hopemakers.co.uk which is in the uh, chat um <laughs> is, a, is a testament to that so thank you so much for joining us it was really it was really wonderful to have you on again and oh god if you haven't been if you haven't checked it out yet your wonderful masterclass on confidence through cabaret the color me hopeful is just such a I, love, I loved that i learned I so much coloring yeah. yeah yeah it was great fun yeah yeah definitely go definitely go check out uh confidence cabaret.com which is on the bottom um stream also erica and i are gonna hang out again tomorrow morning yay so we're gonna be on clubhouse um my my uh, clubhouse is at heather yb ywys uh we will be eight o'clock tomorrow morning uk time uh, and that is because we're trying to facilitate global time, so that fits Australia. Oh yeah, <laughs> just like, about, I imagine. Yeah. No, and, and Danielle will be joining us. Uh, Danielle is all about money mindset. So between us, I mean, I mean, we're talking hope, money, and cabaret. What else is yeah. there? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And we will be on Confidence and Attitudes Club. Uh, you can always message either Erica or myself if you can't find us. Uh, and I can, you do need to have an iPhone with Clubhouse still right now. Uh, if you want to invite, I have some. So you can just put a thing in the Confidence Recovery community and I'll, I'll send you an invite. But you do need to have an iPhone and then, and then you can jump in or make your own room or, or whatever you want to do. But it's so much fun because, because hope and pleasure are things that are infinite. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And open to such total uh, definition as well. You know, anyone can define their own hopes, dreams, yeah, yeah. and pleasures. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, um, so I know you talk, and I just want to kind of end on this. Um, I know you talk about hope being small things. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. So for me, so hope basically is the belief that the future can be better than the past. And that can be on a global scale, but very much for me, it's on an individual scale because that's who I work with. I work with people. Um, and so hope for me is about identifying what your best hopes are. And that's grounded in your own reality. It's not a lofty kind of, oh, you know, I want to be a millionaire or I want to be a supermodel or any of that, which of course could well be within your grasp. <laughs> but most people, I think, when they said about their own reality, they have maybe slightly more modest goals about how the future can be better for them. And then for me, it's a process of taking smallest steps. So it always comes down to what's the smallest thing you can do to bring more hope into your life. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Oh. Thank you so much again for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure to, to have you in the community. It's and, been great, uh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, just so that everybody uh, knows, where can we find you? So you can find me on Facebook, um, either as Erica Bowen, or I have uh, the Hope Makers Coaching is my um, Facebook business page. I have my website, which is www.thehopemakers.co.uk. The Hope Makers is my podcast, which is available everywhere that podcasts are available, really. Um, or you can email me at erica at thehopemakers.co.uk. Oh, thank you so much, Erica. Oh, you're great. Oh, my goodness. We thank will you for be being our guest in Confidence with Coffee. I have finished my coffee, so uh, yes. I, 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 love that. Too much. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but please take a moment and, and answer that for yourself. Um, mm. 
for this week, for this season. You know, we talk a lot about spring being, you know, a new season. Mm-hmm. I was going to say it's when it's when the sun comes out and the days get longer. But if you're in the UK, <laughs> when the snow happens, it turns out. Um, which is which is absolutely crazy because you know even Canada doesn't have snow so I don't know what's going on um, but do take some time to think about you know who are you and what lessons have you learned and how do you keep that going and and what small things can you do it doesn't need to be big it doesn't that's so important for pleasure oh. I could talk to you all day, but let, I'm going to be on Clubhouse with you tomorrow. So tomorrow morning at so, Stupid O'Clock. Yeah, we'll be there. <laughs> what is going on? Well, it's evening in Australia at that point. So I guess, yeah, yeah. I guess that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much. Uh, join us for uh, Magic of Pleasure Month. We'll be, um, we'll be enjoying more chats and more we did a whole photo shoot at the weekend so we have lots of pleasure and lots of ideas and lots of fun to play with so it just remains for us to say and tell us your cabaret name again please electra thank you electra (laughs) why thank you erica erica with the white feather boa electra (laughs) now there's i i I love that i think there is so much value in that and i love that so thank you for joining us and uh, my name is heather and i'm ryan and this is us reminding you that it is your body your, body. your world your world your stage your stage thank you electra thank, thank you Erica. thank you electra bye bye bye